Here's a bingo. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of our podcast, Here's a Thing Though. My name is Saliha, and I'm your host for today. I'm here with my producer, editor, and best friend, Mitch Price. Hello. Before we begin, we'd like to acknowledge the Darug and Kuringai people who are the traditional owners of the land that we are recording on today. We'd like to pay our respects to all First Nations people, past, present, and future, and acknowledge that we're recording on stolen land and sovereignty was never ceded. Alright, Mitch, what have you been up to this week? Um, I mean, this is probably the most interesting thing I do every week. But other than that, earlier today, as we've been prepping, I acquired a coconut and I've been trying to extract its juices. And uh, <laughs> Why are you saying <laughs> it like that? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's been, I mean, it's been a bit adventurous for me. Uh, I punctured a hole with a screwdriver and got a mallet to crack it open. And I have the juice in front of me right now, which I'll be sipping intermittently throughout the uh, episode recording. And every time he sips it, he just makes a face. Because the truth is, he doesn't even like the coconut that juice. That is very true. Yeah, I <laughs> wince every time I taste it. But yeah, it's been good fun. What about you? How's your week been? Uh, my week's been okay. It's like, no, actually, you know what? It's been quite nice. Because I have not been as overworked as I typically am. Uh, I went to that uh, Van Gogh immersive exhibition thing last week with you and a bunch of other friends that was nice it was just chill it was uh, quite a few people will like message me about it on instagram i feel like there's a presumption that it's like an exhibition thing i don't think it is it's more just like it's like a it's like a short film that like is projected into a dark room and you get to watch it and it's quite nice but perhaps not as like crazy as people think it is like there's no van gogh artworks there guys it's not it's not like an art gallery exhibition thing. It's just like a fun like date night vibe. It's you in and out in like 40 minutes. Yeah, I thought it was going to be some like augmented reality sort of like it's going to be walking through Starry Night or something. I don't know. What did you think of it? Did you enjoy it? Was it what you expected? I liked it. Look, I, I know you went in with quite high expectations. I did not. I had no idea what it was, which is probably a good thing because then I just showed up with zero expectations and I thought it was nice. It was fun, cute, bit sad. I mean, Van Gogh is always a bit sad. Um, but it was nice, maybe a little bit less eventful or like maybe a bit shorter than I perhaps initially thought, but that was okay. Like I was, I was fine with it. I didn't really care to be honest. Like I was just going because the gang was going and it was going to be fun for all of us to just like go out. I was just looking forward to seeing our friends. I didn't really give a shit about what we were doing. Not going to lie. Yeah. I thought it was okay. I, um, I felt very strange. It felt very impersonal at points. It felt a bit like a, like a blockbuster of Van Gogh's life. I'm not sure how, how much I like the idea that his work needs to be animated or presented at this scale because I think the work just sort of speaks for itself. It doesn't need to be modernized. It doesn't need to be animated to be more expressive because his style is already so expressive. Anyways, that's just my little yeah thought. Yeah, Mitch was getting a little bit, a little bit antsy. He was like, wow. I, what is it that you said to me? I thought it was really funny. He was just like, this is just them like trying to make Van Gogh interesting to millennials, but Van Gogh's already interesting. Why do they need to make him more interesting? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right, hun, relax. Yeah, it's okay, probably, I'll, it's I'll probably not down. that deep. I'll like, it's down. all right. <laughs> um, yeah, so we did that, which is really nice. Picnic with my family. Just I, didn't, I just didn't work as much as I normally work in a week. And so that was really nice because I normally am working like four or five, sometimes more days a week. And I just worked like three days last week. So it was really chill. It was super nice. Um, my week is about to get busy from today onwards again, but that's okay. Uh, it'll be all right. Also, I just realized before we actually get into today's podcast content, you didn't do your Mitch's movie minute or whatever it was that you coined the last episode. Today. Are you going to do one? I haven't seen any movies this week. It's been really disappointing. That's pretty sad. I watched one, which was Mildred Pierce from 1945, a very good film. That's my movie recommendation. It was good though. You liked it. it was very, you very would good. recommend it. Yes. Okay, that wasn't quite a minute, but I'll, I'll let it go. We'll pa- we'll, we'll let it pass. <laughs> so today, uh, we're going to talk about interracial dating, uh, particularly the racist elements of it, both internalized and outright racism. It's kind of a continuation from the last episode, but less about my personal introspections and more I think a broader discussion on like dating like Mitch is going to be a lot more vocal in this episode it's going to be much more of a conversation I think between the two of us rather than me monologuing about my life uh before we get into it I did want to do just a little bit of follow-up 
on the last episode. Um, it seems that a lot of people really resonated with like with that episode, which was really nice. Um, it was really great to get a bunch of women of color and even some men actually uh, reach out to me and say that they really, you know, like understood and like felt the same. Um, somebody said that it was really nice having a name for a lot of the things they experienced before that they hadn't quite maybe articulated in that way before. And a lot of people talked about how like suddenly a lot of their dating experiences make sense, <laughs> which was really nice. It was really great to like, put something out there and then have all these people like vibe with it and like get it so I don't know this is just a wholesome like oh you guys like <laughs> I'm so glad I'm so glad that it got such positive responses it was quite personal for me I think it's probably the first time we've been that personal in like a public you know like I mean the podcast even so that was quite nice I just wanted to say that yeah I think as we get into this episode I think it's important to remember that politics is personal like it's not a divide between the internal life and the external political world it manifests in every interaction every thought so yeah yeah i think especially when you're like of a minority group i mean for me being like a woman first of all and then a woman of color as well is like inherently my existence is political and my experiences are political be it in like Australian political spheres but also in like the dating sphere and in like just the way that I grew up and like culturally it's all political it's inherent like your body is inherently political if it's a marginalized body in a white supremacist society so it'd be like that but yeah speaking of dating speaking of dating that's what we're gonna talk about today I will just for anyone who maybe hasn't listened to the last episode yet and is just listening to this one maybe I'll do like a real quick like 30 second rundown of what we talked about last week we just kind of discussed like I think quite universal experiences that a lot of people of color have when they are growing up in like a white society and so so we discussed things like you know skin bleaching and like the fetishizing of white skin we discussed like distancing yourself from your culture by avoiding cultural food dresses languages etc like just kind of I love the internalized like self-hatred that comes with trying to escape your otherness in like a white society. Talked about like the fetishizing of mixed kids, um, the fetishizing of us as people of color in relationships by white people. Um, that's kind of, I guess, where we're going to move on from a little bit in this episode is kind of elaborating on like interracial relationships and the politics that comes with interracial relationships. Like, a lot of the problems that can arise for people of color who have to navigate a relationship with somebody that's not of their race. So we'll get into that today. I thought I would just maybe start a little bit with some elaboration on a couple of points that we made last week. I talked a bit about uh, like fetishizing, you know, brown girls, particularly, I guess, in my, like in my instance. And we talked a bit about like caramel princess and like chocolate covered strawberry and all the other things that we get called. And I think I just wanted to make it clear why comparing us to food or, or doing things like that and fetishizing us like that is like racist and problematic. Cause I'm not sure if a lot of people actually know why, like knowing it's wrong is one thing, but knowing why it's wrong is something else. So I thought I would just do a little, a little quick definition for that one and I just think it's um important to remember that when you are going to be out here comparing us to food or whatever you're actually just inherently objectifying us it's removing our humanity from the situation like instead of humanizing us you're talking about us like we're food we're an object we're something to be consumed even you know when you talk about caramel and strawberries and what the fuck else we're talking about in the episode it's about consumption even and so I think it's really important to remember that that is wrong because it strips us of our humanity because it removes our individual personalities and experiences and reduces us to an idea to be consumed so that is why fetishizing us like that is gross please don't do it (laughs) just that I would say that um another point that I really wanted to elaborate on that I briefly mentioned and the reason I'm actually even talking about it is because I heard it in a friend's podcast, which I'll get into in a little bit, is the feelings of inadequacy and insecurity that come from being in an interracial relationship. Um, my lovely friend Inez has her own podcast called Similar Differences that she co-hosts with her friend Angelica. I'm actually going to record with them soon to guest on their podcast, yay. But they did a really great episode on internalized racism that was pretty much the inspo, I think, for the conversation that we're having here today. And Inez brought up a really interesting point on what it's like 
I guess when you're sleeping with the ideal beauty standard and the inadequacy that can make you feel like she discusses her experiences with like sleeping with a white woman and it's like how do you look at this body and see this ideal beauty standards and then look at yourself and like the in the moment it's like I can't really be like super turned on right now because all I can think about is how I don't compare and I think while that was a specific experience for her as a queer woman, I really think that also that can be applied to a lot of situations and interracial relationships. Um, it's just like about the power and racial dynamics that come with being in a relationship with somebody that is inherently more privileged than you and that is seen as superior to you. I thought that was really interesting because I think that's really relatable. I mean, you know, for Inez, like I haven't had that exact experience that she's had, but I really, I really understood, I guess, the feeling of inadequacy that can come with that because I've definitely experienced, you know, maybe you're talking to a white guy or you're in a relationship with one. And there's definitely moments when you look at them and you're like, you're so cute, you're so attractive, you're so whatever. And I am not as attractive or cute as that person the world is going to look at my partner and think at how hot they are or how wonderful they are or whatever and not look at me the same way I mean I've definitely felt that because there is inherent inherent disbalance in the way we both exist right even if I talk about like Mitch and I for example he's like a tall skinny white boy he's like the face of like (laughs) like attractive white men in that way you know he's very privileged in that way thank you (laughs) well like okay he fulfills a certain type that is in right now you know like tall skinny white guy big mop of brown hair big eyes the whole thing and that's what like especially if you're like a woman of color suffering from internalized racism right now that's probably your type (laughs) like not gonna lie that was definitely my type in my teen years because that is the idea of attraction that's sold to me that is the beauty standard of men that is sold to me um and so then to date that is kind of weird at first because like you're constantly thinking about how attractive your partner is and like how maybe you're not as attractive and then you feel like maybe you have to compensate in other ways for that and I think that there's this real issue with people of color being in relationships with white people and then kind of ending up in a role of like servitude almost I feel like I'm not going to go into like slavery shit here but There is an idea of doing things for your partner and catering for them and caring for them and overcompensating by your feelings of inadequacy, by doing other really big gestures for them. And you end up falling into this space where like you're low-key being a bit of a slave. Oops, like that's a bit nice. That's a bit yikes, right? (laughs) Like it's a bit yikes. But I mean, even I used to do that with Mitch, I think in the beginning as well. Like I was always trying to, I guess, earn my relationship by you know doing favors for Mitch making him nice food buying him little gifts always trying to like do something nice for him and I think it was like this insecurity of like not feeling like I deserved to be liked by a white guy so I guess I you know felt like I had to overcompensate by making myself as likable desirable and wonderful as a partner being the ideal girlfriend as like as much as possible we've come a long way since then I definitely no longer think that way. <laughs> I feel like I should put that out there. Guys, this relationship is, I promise, healthy and devoid of those issues. But yeah, it- I was going to say, I hope by the end of this episode, you haven't delved deep into your subconscious and realized that <laughs> <laughs> it's about time this ends. <laughs> no. I guess we'll see in an hour. Yeah, we'll let you know. If we break up after this episode, guys, you're, pro- you're the reason for it. Just so you guys <laughs> no. no, no, no. Okay, so it's fine now. But de- there were definitely things that I had to work through initially in our relationship um that I just I think problems that a lot of people of color face like I think it's really common I guess that's what I'm trying to say it's like a lot of these, these things are not specific to me I can only speak from my experience but I'm like really sure that a lot of people have had very similar experiences to me in this regard so I did want to talk about those power and racial dynamics it's going to come up a little bit more as we discussed today I also just want to mention our structure today is actually a little bit different because we got so much engagement with the last episode that we've actually kind of structured this as a little bit of a Q&A kind of thing. So I've included a bunch of questions and comments from like listeners and followers. And we're going to talk a lot about, I guess, things they've asked us to talk about because um, it's a pretty broad topic, interracial dating. So we wanted to prioritize stuff that you guys find interesting and relatable and stuff that you vibe with and stuff that you want to know, like experiences that you want to have. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a little bit different today because we're going to like read you a question somebody sent in and then kind of bounce off that and have a discussion. But before I get into that, I keep, I feel like I've said before I get into that like eight times. I'm going on so many different, like, (laughs) it's fine, whatever. We'll get into it eventually. Eventually. Look, today is far less structured, but I feel like 
I was really, I was actually really happy with last week's episode and it felt good like recording it. I felt good. I think that's because we had maybe slightly less structure and it was just a conversation. So we're, we're trying that again today and seeing, seeing how we go, experimenting a little bit. Uh, but yes, continuing on from my discussion on power and racial dynamics, I think that there's a really interesting thing. Actually, it was funnily enough, Mitch brought this up in a conversation. We were talking about not seeing yourself as like the brown person because we were talking about like exotification and fetishizing and we're talking about Inez's uh, podcast episode on interracial dating and she like the podcast starts off with a really great point by Inez saying that like when people call her like an exotic girlfriend as an Indian woman she's kind of just like well I'm not more exotic than you because you could be my exotic white partner because your your world is as different to me as mine is to yours and I thought that was like a really 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 great point and so true because like us people of color are otherized and fetishized so much but like Mitch's life is just as alien to me as mine is to him there are so many things about I guess his life and like his whiteness that I found so fucking weird (laughs) when we started dating that I really have to get used to and like to me he's weird too like I'm not I'm not the other in my bubble he's the other to me because it's just a matter of perspective um and so Mitch was saying some really great stuff about like how we perceive ourselves in scenarios because whiteness is often viewed as a default that's what I was saying so whiteness is often viewed as a default and everything that's not white is other but when you are I guess like the like the child of immigrants you know, you're like the first generation of whatever country you're in that isn't your ethnic minority country. It's really hard to see yourself as the other because like I'm quote unquote assimilated enough to not feel like weird in friendships and stuff like that. You know, I feel comfortable existing in this country in a lot of ways because I was born here and I was raised here in Australia. And so like I understand a lot of the cultures and stuff, but like white Australians view me as like, this different brown girl but I don't view myself as that different brown girl in a lot of ways I am my own default and therefore the default whiteness doesn't quite work you know if that makes sense so there's this really interesting idea around like not seeing yourself as the other and just seeing yourself as the rule but it's only legitimized in whiteness am I making sense entirely okay I just wanted to check that because I was like I don't know how much my thoughts are translating into words right now but And then because of this whiteness as default, I feel like a lot of people of color have to really perform. Like we have to prove how down to earth and normal we are because we're inherently otherized by not being the default of whiteness. Even if we might have very similar values, even if we're like, quote unquote, very whitewashed just by the color of our skin or by looking a little different things we can't control, like we're inherently otherized. Um, I was thinking a lot about performing like my Australianness, if that makes sense. So when I am dating a white person like you, you know, uh, Mitch, and I'm over and your mum's over, like, I mean, your mum's lovely and I have a great relationship with her, but I probably like perform a bit of whiteness. Like I probably am a bit less cultural or brown around her because I think not from her, but just from society, there's an expectation to assimilate. And I, that, that's my form of assimilation is when I'm here hanging out with you and your mom in your kitchen and we're just having a chat. Like I am probably being my most Aussie self because I just feel like this pressure to prove that I'm like not so different and that nobody should be worried about me being here and nobody should be concerned that I'm dating their white son or anything like that. I'm not going to change him. I'm not going to like turn him into something else. You know, he's not going to like become a different person through dating me because I'm not that different to you and I feel like I have to perform that and I feel like that is really common because Inez again I keep talking about Inez but her podcast look her podcast is called I'm not your exotic girlfriend the episode y'all should listen to it because it gave me so many thinking points for this podcast yeah, episode we'll, we'll link it in the description yeah we'll add it in because I just think she made so many like really great points and I'm jumping off like all of them today so I really want to credit her for quite a bit of the discussion today because she like really inspired me and I'm like yes let's do a podcast episode but yeah she talked a lot about performing whiteness and proving proving like your Australianness, or like how down to earth you are or how chill you are and and it's just I mean it's kind of sad that we even feel like the need to do that I feel like I always feel the need to kind of prove to people don't worry I'm not here to cause trouble because that is 
like inherently how I'm treated I think when I'm in a white space like I'm here to cause trouble I'm here to ruin things I'm here to like disrupt whatever's going on and I'm not here to do that obviously especially with you so yeah there is an expectation for I think people of color to play down their culture in front of their partners and particularly their partners families and to assimilate and to prove that like I guess just to prove that they belong here and that they, are, they aren't going to ruin your little safe space, which is ridiculous because if anyone deserves a safe space, it's us. <laughs> but yeah, you know, there's just that. And then it kind of it moves into like, once you've even moved past that, then you like, you feel so cool for like dating a white person. <laughs> look how, look how progressive I am. Because it's, yeah, there's like, pro- it's progressive. It's Western. But like the idea, it's just internalized racism, right? Like this idea that like you've won or you've succeeded by moving up the ladder and dating a white person like it's just white superiority and white supremacy essentially at play but it's not our fault that we think that way um here's one last point that i find interesting we got some feedback for one of our for, for our last episode by a listener called gavin who pointed out like how people of color especially people of color who have internalized their racism over scrutinize their attraction to people which i was like oh my god <laughs> true like uh you get to a point where maybe you've like realized that you've suffered from a bit of internalized racism and then you start to over scrutinize all your future dating experiences because when you like a white person you're like oh my god is this just internalized racism is this what is this just white supremacy at play i hope not (laughs) and it's just like do i like do i really like this white person or do i just like think i like them because society is telling me that whiteness is desirable and you get to this like stage where you just like can't like somebody because you're like why do I like them though what are the forces at play that are out of my control that have made them desirable to me and on the flip side you like somebody of your ethnicity or you like another person of color and then you're like is this just me trying to correct my internalized racism (laughs) like is this just me trying to prove to myself that I am not internally racist by dating another brown person like am I just trying to like be woke and prove that to myself and then you're just in this mess where like you can't be attracted to anybody without like thinking it's somehow like you've done something like you're you're trying to either undo something or trying to work on something sometimes it's not that deep I think sometimes it's it's, sometimes you just gotta breathe and you just gotta like somebody and as long as it's a healthy relationship and they're not disrespecting your culture and everything's kind of working out it's probably all right you don't need to feel the guilt of dating a white person and then thinking you're colonizing yourself. And you don't need to feel the burden of dating a person, like feel like you have to burden yourself with dating cultures that you maybe are struggling with because it's proof that you're woke. You know what I mean? It's just like all of this to say, sometimes I think we're just going to breathe. <laughs> I think people of color put a lot on our own shoulders. We put a lot on ourselves. We expect ourselves to be representing our politics 24-7, which we are. But I think we do that subconsciously a lot. And it doesn't necessarily have to be an active effort in every single part of our lives. Like, It's not like every single person you've ever slept with or been with is a reflection of your current politics. That's not necessarily what it is. I think we can place a lot of weight on those things. And sometimes it's okay to just like someone. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to end this little segment on that because it's easy to overthink things. Okay, so we're going to finally get into all the questions you guys sent us. You lovely, lovely listeners. Very thought-provoking and interesting questions that I'm keen to discuss. The first one is from a person called Neve. uh, And they said, I would love to hear you discuss racial dating preferences. Where is the line of excluding certain races appropriate and inappropriate? What about levels of attractions to certain looks or types? Is it embedded through social conditioning or is it a natural inclination? Okay, I love this question because it was actually already covered in my list of things that I wanted to discuss today. So it was like a very easy thing to start with. There were a bunch of similar questions around dating preferences and like sexual attraction to specific races. And also questions around like if it's racist to exclude certain races from your dating pool. So I think like basically maybe the key question here is, is having racial preferences when dating racist? The short answer is yes. The long answer is yes, with some exceptions. (laughs) Racial preferences and fetishizing are generally, I think, pretty racist. Because if you say that like, oh, I'm like super into Asian women, for example, since that's a pretty common one. It's like you've already made an assumption that all Asian women have something in common. Every Asian woman, every Asian woman has something in common to you, which is like 
racist because the only thing Asian women have in common is being Asian. What is it about their personality, looks, etc., that you know they all have that you're into? Even the term Asian is an umbrella term for like an entire fucking continent. Like, are we talking Chinese women, Korean women, Japanese women, Indian women, who, by the way, are also Asian? I feel like we, like, brown girls often get excluded from the Asian conversation, but like, we're literally also Asian. <laughs> like, you know, who are you talking about? I also think on the flip side, it's still equally perhaps more racist, but still racist. Uh, I know somebody who once said that they're just not into black guys. And it was just like, what the fuck does that mean? What is it about black men that you don't find attractive that all black men apparently have? Because the only thing all black men have in common is A, being black. And I'm talking about that like ethnically and racially, not skin color, because there is a myriad of different skin colors black men can be. And B, being men. Like that is the two things that they have in common. And you don't seem to have an aversion to men. So you have an aversion to blackness. And again, I think the issue with racial fetishizing or racial preferencing or racial excluding is the idea of homogeneity of a group. You are saying when you say that you're only into this race or you're not into that race, that everybody in that race has something in common that you don't like. They're all the same to you. Hello, hello, hello. This is Editor Mitch here, and during our discussion, my mic just cut out for a little bit, so for the next few minutes, uh, my audio quality won't be superb, but it will get better soon, so just uh, hang in there. I also don't think this would happen, like, if you're asking a white person, let's say a white dude, um, they wouldn't say they're into, like, white girls, they'd probably start talking about body types, because they do see white girls as a sort of... uh, a large pool with different features but then they'll say oh i'm into asian girls and it's just grouping this entire uh identity into one homogenous sort of thing this ideal yes i think that's so true i think that's a really good point with like white girls you're so right guys don't say they have a preference for white girls number one because they actually know they're going to sound like a white supremacist or a nazi if they say that and like also why is it like think about it if you don't think it's if it's like obviously racist for a white person to only date white people like that's a pretty obviously racist thing it just screams white supremacy and like you know saving the white race from being tainted preserving the white race why is it like less racist for a white person to only be into like asian people it's still racist you're still only obsessing over a certain group without differentiating that there are different people in that group and then furthering onto what mitch said with like body types and stuff white people are afforded the individuality of experience, circumstance, body features, looks, to not be put in a homogenous group like that. Yeah, it's like when I hear maybe white people talk about their preferences and they're talking about other white people, it'll be like, you know, I like certain this certain hair colour, I like this certain body type, certain legs, you know, just like still yeah. objectifying language, but still it does suggest a diversity in their view of white people. Yeah. Whereas when I do speak to people who suggest they have like a preference for a certain race, it never is given that extent of specific language. It's just this homogenous, large, complete idea. Yes. And so it's inherently racist because it's the assumption that we're all the same in this race when there is so much diversity, especially because terms like black. Are we talking African-American? Are we talking Kenyan? Are we talking Ethiopian? Are we talking Egyptian? What exactly are we talking about? Africa as a continent has many, many, many different cultures and identities. And also there are black people who aren't from Africa. There are black Australians. There are, like I said before, black Americans. There are black people in every country in the world. Like, what are you talking about by saying, I'm just not into black men or black people or black women? Because... There is there is just so many different kinds of people you could be in that group because your black identity doesn't say anything about who you are. It just means you're black. Like there's so much more to a person than their race or skin color. Yeah. And so I find it really surprising actually when people even like, I guess even enable the idea that it could potentially not be racist. It is. It is racist. It is 100% racist at all times to have a preference for a certain racial group. The only exception in my opinion, is when people of ethnic minorities preference dating other people in the same ethnic minority. I don't think that's racist, and I'm going to explain why. White people are excluded to this. That's why I said ethnic minority. White people only dating other white people is racist. Like, get out of here with that Nazi shit. But, like, for example, if you are, like, for example, I'm Pakistani. So if you are a Pakistani person looking to date 
or marry another Pakistani person, I don't think that is racist. I think it's survivalist. And I think it's the same for a lot of people from an ethnic minority because when you date in your own ethnic minority group, there is already an assumption of understanding your culture, understanding your religion, your interests. There's an understanding of who you are if that culture is relevant to your lifestyle in quite a large way. If you have grown up in a Pakistani family and you're quite close to your Pakistani cultural background and you want if you want to like continue your life doing that, it makes sense to prioritize dating another Pakistani person so you don't have to teach them that stuff. It removes a lot of emotional labor, I think. It can be a, it can be a safety net. And I don't think that's racist. I think that's a survivalist mechanism for people who the dating world is quite uh hostile towards. You know, like for myself, I'm not going to pretend that it's super easy dating outside of my race. It's not. There are a lot of things I have to like teach Mitch about like myself, my life, my culture, my religion that he wouldn't know inherently because he's not of my religion or my race. How is he going to know these things? I have to teach it to him. And it's fucking, it is exhausting. It's fine. I'm willing to do it because I'm willing to work in our relationship and I want it to work. So it's a necessary part of doing it. But, you know, I can see why some people don't want to go through that. That's fair. I don't think that is racist. I think... Some people, especially white people, like to call it racist because it hurts their egos that somebody doesn't want to date them because they're white. And then the reverse racism shit comes out. But it's like, that is not true. It's So when it's within just your specific minority group, I don't think it's racist. However, one minority group refusing to date another minority group, still racist. If you're Chinese and you refuse to date Indian people, that's racist. If you're like Indian, you refuse to date black people, that's racist. That's all very racist. The only time it's not racist if you're an Indian person, for example, who who is prioritizing dating other Indian people or a Chinese person who's prioritizing dating like Chinese people because it just makes it easier for you culturally to balance it. That's fine. I feel like that's not a big deal. That's probably okay. But when it comes to like differentiating between different races and ranking them from like sexiness and stuff like that, that's fucked. You can't make that assumption on people that you don't know anything about. And when you start to judge people on just their race, which is what you're doing, you're making moral judgments, attractiveness judgments on just race, you're racist. You're racist. It's just that. Okay, cool. Let's get into the next question. So we had another listener called Abby discuss how she recently dated a black man and then she was really careful after that relationship ended to not date another black man, not because she isn't into black men, but because she didn't want people to think that she had a thing for just black men specifically and was fetishizing them. She was afraid that people would think that she was that white girl that fetishizes black men. And so she was careful not to do it, not to date the same ethnic minority twice in a row. Other listeners also asked us about a discussion on the way interracial relationships are perceived by society. So I thought that was a really good one to get into. And I'm actually going to pass the mic, figuratively speaking, to Mitch for this one, because I think he might actually have quite a bit to say on what it's like with people assuming that you have a thing for an ethnic minority as a white man that's dating a brown gal. Yeah, no, exactly. I really understand how Abby feels here because I somewhat felt the same this is my second relationship. I had another one, a previous one in high school, which again, wasn't quite to the level um, and seriousness of, of this because I was just 17, but it was with uh, an Indian girl. So I didn't want people to look at me, get into this relationship and think that he has some sort of brown fetish or something like that. I'm going to interject for a sec and be like, when I first saw his ex-girlfriend, like a photo, I was like, oh, oh no, because oh, no. <laughs> she's like the same height and build and skin tone as me and i was like "Uh oh <laughs> what have i got myself into no i really had to do some sort of delving into my subconscious to see if i had some uh unrecognized attraction or fetish fetishization of objectification because i could understand from the outside how it would seem like that um so i but to be honest, I never really felt like I did. I was always, I think like Abby, concerned with the image of it, the aesthetic of me doing that. Uh, I never believed that I actually did have, you know, a preference in that sense. It just sort of... Just a coincidence. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can also jump in a little bit here on my own perceptions because when I found out Mitch had a 
a brown ex-girlfriend my instant assumption was oh god he has a brown girl thing like that must be the answer as this white guy that's talking to me and we're like because I mean we were friends for a while before we dated so I knew quite a bit about Mitch's previous relationship and I was just like oh no (laughs) and even after we got together and we were in a relationship for a while I mean I didn't tell my parents about Mitch until we were together for a year so and I was talking to my mom about it once and I think somehow I offhandedly mentioned that he had an Indian ex-girlfriend I think because I was talking about how he like he's not exactly new to our culture kind of thing and she was like he's got a what like uh-oh. Yeah, even my mum was just like, does he have a brown girl thing? Like, did you, have you asked him this? And I was like, yes, don't worry. Like, I'm very sure that he doesn't. Because I did ask Mitch that at some point. Like, I genuinely did ask him from a place of sincerity if he had a thing for brown girls. Just the assumption that I made because he dated two in a row. And it's just funny because, like, if Mitch had dated two white girls, I don't think I'd give a shit. I wouldn't be like, oh, God, does he only date white women? Like, Again, like I was talking about before, whiteness is just like the default. And if somebody dates a white person, it doesn't mean anything. But like if he dated two brown girls or two Asian girls, suddenly it's a problem. Like we don't, again, we afford white women the individuality to just exist. White people in general, the individuality to just exist and just to date each other. And it's like, it just, it's meaningless. It's not, we're not making any moral judgments on a white person for dating another white person. No, like, yeah, exactly. It's like, if I did date two white girls in a row, I don't think anyone would bat an eye. It's only when you date someone, a white person dates someone that's non-white, that it's like a point of discussion. It's like, it's a bit gossipy. It's like, ooh, like, isn't that interesting? Yeah, like, I don't, I'm sure people, like, I'm sure people did sort of discuss it or maybe not to me directly but i'm sure people were like "Ooh, like isn't that interesting like maybe mitch has uh, something going on there but i think i didn't really think about it at all going into this relationship but i also think part of that was maybe because of a general aloofness which came with my previous relationship me i guess being younger and not quite as really racially aware as I am now, which in and of itself is problematic. And I think when it comes to difficulty in white people in interracial relationships, I think there's almost two sides in two different ways, maybe on a spectrum that they can be problematic. I think maybe the one that's most obvious and apparent in problematic relationships would be uh, the white person fetishizing uh, people of color, which is, I guess, what we've mostly been talking about now. It's like, you know, like you said, comparing you know brown skin to like a delicious chocolate or something you know really objectifying and racist language and that stuff is really apparent that's like red flags riding on the wall but I think and I can speak from a point of experience I think something that is equally as problematic but more perversive something that's harder to point out is a general aloofness uh, a general absence of race consciousness when it comes to white people in Uh, interracial relationships so for example I think a lot of white people who you know are progressively liberal-minded don't don't really have of course like most people probably any sort of uh, apparent racial uh, prejudices and and whatnot they can approach these relationships just thinking that this non-white person is just like every other white person that they don't actually have specific experiences they just assume that yeah um because it's just like i don't see color stuff yeah exactly yeah it's the liberal side that's like i don't see color you're not any different to me you're just like another person i'm not going to reduce you to your race but actually like you really do need to see my color to understand the way i exist in this world because it's like an inherent part of how I navigate society and how society perceives me. So I feel like maybe that's what you're getting at when you talk about like a lack of racial awareness. It's not seeing our, it's where you're overseeing our color to the point where you're reducing us to it or you're not seeing it at all and then treating us like we're a white person and you can't do that either. Like you were saying before, I think people of color can sort of bury those sort of aspects of, of their culture and the way they act and they sort of assimilate when they're in context of many white people. And I think, uh, white people who are getting into relationships with people of color in a way they've also only seen the side of them that is the assimilated side that is like the white performing side and i think when you get into a, a relationship with them and there are sort of more demands there are more compromises there is more about them that you need to know because of course because we've all had very diverse experiences yeah, you're dating now you're going to yeah. know each other on a more personal level i think it can be difficult to make those compromises for a lot of people because it's, they feel like 
they shouldn't have to like they're being asked for more than they're asking from the other person uh, they can see as uneven which really isn't so i think ultimately i guess as a white person it's about being introspective and making sure you find a balance of not being too like disinterested because that can be really problematic because in a way you're just enforcing your whiteness onto them your lack of sort of cultural identity yeah being a colonizer yeah exactly you're (laughs) you're colonizing their subjectivity but then the other way which is the i think the other spectrum of this problematic uh, behavior is complete fetishization that their race is something that is like an object something desirable Um, sexy sexy exactly (laughs) so yeah yeah would you agree yeah no i agree i think i actually think your idea of aloofness versus fetishizing at the two ends of like the interracial white person dating spectrum is really great actually i think that really covers pretty much everything i know about like my mine and my own friends like problematic interracial experiences with white people on the one hand if you are dating a person of an ethnic minority, you should be respectful of their culture. You should make an effort to learn about it because learning about it will help you navigate your relationship better because you'll understand the way that they think and the way that they approach the world a little bit more if you understand their culture and family. But if your partner who is a person of color has made it pretty clear that they don't want to be involved in their culture, don't fucking push their culture on them and force it to be a thing. That's when it becomes problematic. I actually, funnily enough, have a Reddit Am I the Asshole post about this exact thing that I'm explaining quite poorly that I think really kind of gets to the crux of it. A lot of you might have heard about this because a lot of our listeners overlap with the Bubble and Flux podcast and uh, it was shared in one of their Facebook groups. But um, it's an Am I the Arsehole post from the perspective of an Indian man who has a white partner. I can't remember if they're married or fiancés or whatever, but his white partner that he lives with. Um, and he talks about how he really like quite loads his you know Indian heritage and like – he doesn't really identify as Indian. He doesn't really use these terms in his everyday life. He very much exists as, like, American. And, look, there was a lot of internalized racism going on in this post. He clearly has some self-loathing issues that he needs to work on. But that was irrelevant to, like, the later part of this post. So he's talking about how much he despises this part about him and how he's cut it out. He doesn't let anybody refer to his Indian heritage. He doesn't answer any questions on it, blah, blah, blah. That's whatever. That's his choice. His white female partner knows this it's pretty clear i mean they've been together for a while and she knows him and he's like he's at the point where he doesn't even eat like indian food because it's it's triggering for him you know for whatever traumas he's been through with race and one day he comes home and she's made him dinner and she's like made some like quote unquote like authentic you know traditional indian food and she's kind of like hey babe like i thought it would be a nice thing to do because you know you're indian and like i thought we could explore your culture a little bit more kind of thing and he is quite upset by this because for him it's like he has a very clear boundary that he doesn't want crossed, that he has made clear with everybody in his life about being Indian. And he felt like she completely dismissed his concerns, traumas and boundaries because she was interested in his Indianness and she wanted to pursue that and she was interested in his cultural heritage and stuff despite the fact that he doesn't identify by that anymore. And so he's at this place, he's really upset, but he like he doesn't want to eat the food because it's you know traumatic or chewing or whatever for him. So he says to her like, I'm not eating this. You should know better. This is really upsetting for me. But he's like, he compensates her. Like, he's like, you know, I'll pay for whatever you bought to make the dinner with and stuff. Like, I'll pay you back. And then I'm going to order some food because I don't want to eat this. She gets really upset, accuses him of being, you know, insane. Apparently, he's like now the asshole because everybody's accusing him of being like insensitive and mean to his white partner for not just like, you know, she she meant well. She meant well. She was just trying to be culturally sensitive towards him. And now he's like, am I the asshole? This post caused so much drama in these Facebook groups that I was in. There was a lot of very, very, very differing opinions. Um, But I wanted to bring it up because I think it's a really good example of white people not knowing when to back the fuck off when it comes to culture. Because, like, a lot of people were like, oh, but it's clear he's got internalized racism issues. Therefore, he's the asshole because how, like, that's not her fault. And it's like, hang on. Whether or not his traumas or self-hate whatever happened, didn't happen, whether it's a time stress or not, it's actually irrelevant to the point that he told – he's a brown man who told his white partner to not bring up his brownness, to not bring up his Indian heritage, to not make the food, to not bring up the clothes. To not like, he has made this clear to her and everybody in his life. Like, this is a very big part of his feelings on the world. It's a very clear issue that he has. And she ignored that as a white person and took it upon herself to enforce his own culture on him because she found it interesting. Mm -hmm. 
To me, that was actually like racist. To me, it was like... No, entirely. She couldn't see him outside of being Indian. She could not see him as anything but Indian. She couldn't see him outside of his Indianness. And as his partner, it was her responsibility to not fucking bring up the shit when he's asked her not to. Like I personally, as a brown person who has suffered from internalized racism, was reading that and was thinking, he's not the asshole. Yes, he's clearly got some traumas he needs to work on, but she knows that. Like, it would be a different story if she didn't know any of this and then he blew up, but he offered to compensate her. Like, he offered to make up for whatever time she used just on the condition that she doesn't do it again and everyone's like, oh, you, he should have catered to her white feelings. Like, miss me with that shit, man. No, I mean, from the way you describe it, it seems that he was entirely considerate and understanding of where she was coming from and still he's labelled as the asshole because... Yeah, because he's apparently he's brown, so he's meant to like not find that offensive because you know brown people, apparently all of them you know like certain types of food and have the certain identity. Like it's it's just is denying his autonomy as a person. Exactly, I think that's exactly what I took away from that. Is like, it doesn't matter whether you think he's right in hating his culture. It doesn't matter whether he's being racist to himself or not. That's not what this is about. This is about his autonomy. This is about the fact that his white partner in their interracial relationship is pushing his culture onto him when he himself has rejected it. He has the Whether or not you agree with it, he does have the right to do that. Okay, sweet. Thank you for the question, Abby. I feel like we may have moved a bit far. From where we started there. Yeah, but, we, uh, that was a bit of a that was a bit of a rabbit hole, you know, but that was good. That's be, how you know it was a good question. Exactly. We're gonna reset the momentum. Start from the center. Here we go. Okay, so another question by Millie. I'm just gonna read her question. Uh, my boyfriend, a brown man, and I, someone who's white passing, were talking about your last episode where you discussed internalized racism towards other brown or Asian men that makes some women of color want to only date white men. Particularly how this idea has potentially led to white women thinking that it's okay to demonize brown men themselves. Not, I'm not like blaming women of color, more the way white women have co-opted this to validate their own existing racist views. Uh, this is not a very developed point, but thought it was an interesting discussion. Yes, this is a super interesting discussion, Millie. Thank you so much for this point because I actually hadn't really thought about it too much before we started this episode, but I actually think there's quite a bit to say on this. God, white people fucking love to validate their own racism by co-opting and weaponizing the internalized racism of people of color. This is a very common phenomenon. I think probably one of the best examples of late is there's a famous young black woman, Republican woman in America who I don't remember the name of, but she's a huge Trump supporter. Is it Candace Owens? Yes. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it's Candace Owens. Uh... Like, white Republican racist right-wing people love using Candace Owens as, like, an example of why, like, Trump isn't racist or his policies aren't racist. Because, look, there's a black supporter, so it must not be racist. And it's just, like, there are always going to be people of every ethnic minority who are, like, have very intense fucking Stockholm Syndrome with colonizers or, like, internalized racism and have problematic views. Because, again, it's not like all people of color are immediately absolved of racism. Racism exists everywhere in every group. And... Man, racist white people have a penchant of like finding the one ethnic person that agrees with them and then using that as their example to validate their own racism. I feel like this actually, like, I'm so glad this question came up because I think it appears a lot in the dating scene, especially with like white saviorism. I think a lot of white men are guilty of the white saviorism of like white men coming in and dating these oppressed brown, Asian, Muslim, etc. women and saving them from their cultures because of what you've just talked about now with women of color having internalized racism that make that gives them an aversion to men of color. And then the white savior boy comes in and he's like, don't worry, I'll sweep you away and protect you from these like oppressive, evil male overlords that you have in your backwards country. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, it's so it's very much a thing that happens. And I think it's just racism from a white person perspective. Like it's just it's just white people validating their racism. I think it's really easy and it's really convenient for white people to pick someone that agrees with them, that is, you know, of the race they want to criticize or whatnot and treat them as the monolith of that monolith of that race. And see, I'm not racist because I'm just parroting the opinions of this person. Like, again, it's like, as a white person, y'all do not get to have an opinion. I don't care which one of your Indian friends told you that Indian men are creepy. You don't get to think they're creepy because what experience do you have with Indian men? 
like they are not your oppressors or like what where is the self-awareness with like even I guess racial and power dynamics and hierarchies because a brown man can oppress an Indian woman he has that power over her because of the patriarchy but a brown man brown man doesn't have that power over white women because white women have a racial hierarchy here like where is the understanding of different power structures and intersectionality that exists you know I mean even like I think also we can talk a little bit about the other side of brown men that have a go at brown women that date white guys. Like there's a lot of brown men that take that quite offensively and quite they get a bit pissed off and they'll accuse you of like betraying the race or whatever or like they'll tell you that you have internalized racism issues because you're dating a white guy. And it's like y'all don't get to say that to us either because this is my lived experience. Like, a brown man doesn't get to tell me who I'm attracted to and a white woman doesn't get to say how attractive Indian men are because there is an understanding of where you stand in the power structures of society and the lived experience that you don't have. Don't comment on shit that you don't have lived experiences on. Don't comment on shit that you don't know about. And white people, stop co-opting the internalized racism of people of color so that you can preserve your own racist views and make them seem okay. Like, I just don't have time for this racist shit. Like, it's just annoying. Exactly. I feel like people got to start calling this stuff out as well. Like, you just got to turn around and look at a white person that says that and be like, wow, you're a racist. Mm, exactly. Well, thanks for the question, Millie. Um, we'll move on to our next question. Michelle, the lovely Michelle. We've actually, Michelle's pretty great. We've, we've, she's said a few things that we've mentioned in the podcast before. She also asked us for some tips on how to respectfully navigate cultural differences in interracial relationships with like a white person and a non-white person uh especially around expectations of family involvement when you've been raised by very individualistic kind of western ideas i guess and then you're the person you're dating has like a quite a collectivist kind of culture i thought this would be a good one for mitch to answer being a white person who was raised in quite an individualist mindset and he's now dating a brown girl from a collectivist culture i feel like it's quite relevant for him yeah, no, I guess straight away two things come to mind. Firstly, it's about recognizing that my whiteness and my experience of whiteness is an absence, is an absence of something else because it's the default in this society. And that's something that's only really been brought to my attention quite recently uh, and maybe in the past couple of years. Because, you know, you, your experience of race is... You since- as in me? You as in Sleeha. Okay, yeah. just making that clear. <laughs> I'm like, I don't no, know if you're not, not the collective you, not, not me. The He's audience. talking about me, guys. About you. <laughs> Your experience of being a Pakistani woman, I mean, since the day you were born, has always been politicized. It's always been uh, this sort of elephant in the room of race. Whereas me growing up, it's the absence of any of that baggage. So I guess approaching these sort of interracial relationships is about recognizing that things are going to be a bit new to me because I literally have never had any sort of cultural impact in my life because in this sort of being this sort of Western individualism is about finding, I guess, identity in the things sort of in hobbies and things around you. It doesn't come from any familial practices or whatnot. So I think that's maybe the first thing that comes to mind. The other thing as well is that I feel like maybe the way we've been talking about it, because it's often the way it sort of arises, is very one way in a relationship. But what I found surprising was that maybe aspects of my identity, which weren't clear to me, were actually interesting to you in a way. Yes, I did mention this earlier about like Mitch's life being just as fucking alien to me and me having to adjust to him just as much as he had to adjust to me. So, yeah, I guess in saying that i should clarify what i just said before about whiteness being absence it's not i do have an identity and i do have like a white identity but because of you know the imperialist colonial nature of the society which i have power within because of my skin color um that is completely invisible to me that's just the default that's just the way i think people are uh, which it isn't so what i found interesting was yeah that you were actually maybe interested in things about me and things uh, I do and the way I act with my family. What I was really, because I, I mean, I love the food you make and I love being able to explore, <laughs> you know, sort of Desi food and I love learning how to make it because I just, you know, I'm not trying to fetishize it. I hope it's that just fun. Come off. We just, I mean, we, fun. Mitch and I cook together a lot as like a pastime. Yeah. So for him, it's like exciting it's new just stuff. Tasty. Bro, I just, 
he dated a brown girl and his life changed because he stopped eating exactly. like microwave meals. <laughs> exactly. Well, what I did find interesting was sometimes when I'd cook for you, I'd get really insecure because I would just get like some mashed potato and a vegan chicken schnitzel because vegan gang rise up. Uh, and I was just like, oh no, like she's going to be so unimpressed. She's going to like, you know, think I'm such a bad cook. And, and you I were just, actually, like, you yeah. were just like, oh my God, like this is, this is so tasty. Like this is yeah. so new to me. I'm like, <laughs> he was wait, what? me some like white people food, but it was good. Yeah. And I just like, I don't know. I mean, look, May, I grew up on like dal. <laughs> like I just, as a Pakistani person, I, my grandma cooked for me most of my life. Um, so all I ever ate was like dal and like various curries and stuff. And then I come over to Mitch's house and all he eats is like white food. And some of it's good. <laughs> some of it's good. Pleasantly surprised on my behalf because maybe yeah. I, maybe I judged him a little bit on that regard, but it's just like, yeah. And oh, actually, no, you know, what's a really good example of this mm-hmm. is those, um, Christmas things. The- oh yeah. The fucking... <laughs> What do you call them? Like the things you pull apart like at little, Christmas. Like little cracker things. Crackers. I don't, I don't know oh, what you call them. Call, we're going to call them Christmas crackers. I'm sure every white like person little, I don't know. knows what we're talking about. I don't know why that sounds so wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. Well, cracker is in the name. <laughs> Look, as a Muslim person, I don't know shit about Christmas. I don't know shit about Christianity. That's something that also just... Sometimes people will make biblical references. And I'm like, I don't know what y'all are talking about. Like, I'm sorry. I was I went to a Muslim private school for the first, like, 10 years of my life. I don't know shit. Um, and I had my first Christmas last year ever. I was 21 with Mitch's family. I went and spent Christmas with them, which I hadn't done before. And, bro, they had these, like, Christmas cracker things. And everybody was wearing these, like little colored paper crowns and i was like oh because i've actually seen photos of people in those crown things and i didn't know that it was like i didn't know it was like a christmas cracker thing i just like was so confused about why everybody has the same like colored paper crown and now i know where it's from and mitch's family just thought it was so fucking crazy that i was like weirded out by that and you were like these people are so fucking white I was so shook spending Christmas with Mitch's family because there's so much that, like just like little culturalisms that I just don't know anything about, like the Christmas crackers. And I was like, you know, mine had a little keychain in it, and I was like, oh, this is so cool. Like I don't know shit about Christmas, you know. Even with just having like the whitest like Christmas dinner, and this is to me alien. Like Mitch is just quote unquote exotic to me as I am to him. And so when you discuss like as a white person coming in and navigating culture in a relationship, yeah, Mitch is right. It's a two way thing. I had to navigate Mitch's like culture i mean white people don't really have a culture but y'all know what i mean i had to navigate his lifestyle in ways that he also had to navigate mine i i introduced him to new food he introduced me to new food i had to understand my relationship with his family differently to the way that he has a relationship with my family because my extended family is very involved and they like we do everything together we're all very close i see them like every weekend and so it's normal for mitch i guess to spend time with my family and to spend time with my family not necessarily at my side like I'm off helping my mom wash dishes or something and I've just like left Mitch with my family <laughs> because for us it's normal like I, there's an expectation of Mitch to develop a relationship with these people which I don't think is quite mutual like I don't think there is really that on your side of the family with me it's not important it just would be nice but again at least with my family in particular of course not all white people are the same but not all white people yeah, hashtag not all white people <laughs> um but yeah it's not really an important expectation all you have to really know is my mom and that's it but what i was gonna say is yeah i think coming from those two points what's really important is about maybe as a white person in a interracial relationship it's important that you recognize that it is a two-way thing that maybe f- your whiteness is as you know new to this person as uh, their race is to you and it's really important to be just curious and open not objectifying not fetishizing but just be open to changes in the way you do things and also recognize that you're asking a lot from them as well i mean they always say compromise is at the center of, of every relationship so if that doesn't sound like something you're really open to which I guess is fine, but just don't date a person of color. Like no one is forcing you to date a person of color. Just, you know, if, if that's something that you can't commit to, then don't try and build this relationship with someone. Yes, I definitely um, know white people that are like dating a person of color who is from quite a collectivist culture with a family that has, you know, quite large expectations of your involvement. 
Um, and for maybe that white person, that was quite jarring and weird because their family doesn't really have those expectations of them. They're quite individualistic. It's always been thinking about my happiness first, whereas in their partner's family, it's very much of thinking about how something will affect the whole family. Like it's that understanding that, that that's that's collectivism, right? Thinking about how you're, how what you're doing impacts everybody else, not just yourself. And that the person, the white person I'm talking about finds that really difficult and complains about it all the time. And I just think to myself, like, why are you dating this person then? Because if this is a really inherent part to their values and like you can't live up to that, I don't know why you would bother making it so hard when you don't have to be together. Like you don't have to date into a culture that you find really difficult to like merge into mm. you don't have to do that and you're probably saving people a lot of heartache if you don't do that and so i don't know i feel like potentially maybe it sounds a bit problematic to tell white people to not date outside of their culture if they can't do it because it sounds sounds a bit fucked but also i'm coming from a perspective of the person of color in this scenario and it's like yeah i would be really frustrated if a white guy was trying to date me but like not making the effort to like be what my family needs him to be because that is important to me as a person of color with a collectivist culture it really matters to me that you get along with my family and that you care about my family like I care about my family. Like, you know, with Mitch, I really expect him to have a relationship with my family and to be there. Like, they should be able to call him like they call me. That is maybe a high expectation, but if he wasn't up to it, we probably wouldn't be together. I think also a lot of white people in these relationships can see their partner's race as a burden on a relationship as uh, something that they have to navigate and not quite realize that it works both ways. Because yeah. as a white person, your experience with culture is invisible. You're the default. You don't have an experience with culture. It doesn't feel that way. Uh, but yeah, really, the difficulty comes both ways and they're both things, both ways. It's a dialogue to navigate. Yeah. So I feel like what we're kind of getting out of this is A, don't view your partner's culture as a burden or something that limits you. And if you do think that way, don't date that person. And B, everything is about empathy and compromising. First of all, understand that whatever you're going through as a white person, your partner is probably going through the same thing and potentially it's even harder because they got their whole family up their ass. <laughs> That's my case anyway. You know, I have to think about not just myself, but fucking everybody. Um, and then on top of that, like, I mean, compromise. And compromise on the things, like if it's not that hard for you to do it, just do it you know I feel like with Mitch and I maybe he has had to change a bit more about his lifestyle than I have just because my family is maybe a bit more demanding than his is but it's like it doesn't adversely affect him to do those things it literally has no negative impact for him to just show up sometimes and to like be there and so it's like if something is not like really badly affecting you and you can just do it because it'll make your partner and their family happy just like do it mm -hmm. and if it is to the point where it's like bothering you and it, you hate the idea of doing it don't date a person that requires that like yeah. you know you don't have to force situations you really don't I believe in like building something together I believe in working through your problems but also if your problems are inherent to someone's culture you can't change their culture and you can't change them so maybe think about what exactly you want from this okay thank you Michelle Uh, that's it for today uh, pretty long episode today the structure was a little bit different hope that wasn't too much trouble for you guys we kind of thought we'd experiment a little bit with a follow-up episode um yeah so thanks for listening yeah i think we should just announce that from here on forth we're going to be pivoting the podcast to be entirely a dating podcast so just dating <laughs> advice no, relationship a little column Stop. no okay all right <laughs> that's not happening okay um I have another announcement. Oh, no. I finished I feel like that. you keep making announcements and I'm like, I don't know if I... First, it was Mitch's movie thing. Now it's, movie he, just, he just comes in here and just colonizes my podcast, man. <laughs> I finished that coconut juice. Oh, did you? Yeah. You made it through the whole I coconut I feel like glass? I like it now. It took that glass over the course of this podcast. I finished it. It was pretty tasty. Maybe... Actually, another announcement. This is going to be a coconut-based podcast from now on. No, we start analyzing. Okay. Well, anyways, I think now's a good wait, time. Wait, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in just before. Okay, okay. And just say, I feel like you, like, as we go through this podcast, interracial dating and, like, exposure to cultures and, like, learning and merging. And at the same time, you were drinking this exotic coconut juice. Mm. And then in the beginning, you were a bit, it was a bit jarring. And now towards the end of it, you've, like, enjoyed it. I feel like it was in black. I feel like that represented our podcast. It's a beautiful metaphor. Yeah. It's a little, little coconut extended metaphor. If there's any high school uh, students 
listening, you can use this podcast as a related text <laughs> Don't for, do your, that. for your essay. Don't do that. Symbolism. Okay. Okay. <laughs> there we go. Well, anyways, I think it's a good time to talk about our, pod- our sponsors for the episode, which is you people, our listeners. Uh, we're still, 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 still figuring out how we're going to proceed with monetization and we want to avoid being slaves to the capitalist machine. So... If you thought our discussion today was interesting, thought-provoking, something you learned from, please consider dating to our pay... Dating. Oh, my God. It's, oh, it's- my. I'm telling you. It's a dating <laughs> podcast now. Please consider <laughs> donating to our PayPal link, paypal.me forward slash Saliha, to support future episodes. The PayPal link is in my Instagram bio, so check it out over there at Saliha Official, and give me a follow if you liked today's episode. Also... If you have any comments or suggestions or want to add to the discussion, you can email us at here's the thing though podcast at gmail.com. Please include your name, pronouns, and any other important info. Also join the Facebook group if you want, because I feel like we've been having some pretty good discussions there and I often engage with a lot of listeners on there. So if you want to talk to us, get on there. And of course, remember to follow and subscribe. It really helps the podcast get out there. Cool. See you next time on Here's the Ring, though. Oh, my God. (laughs) Bye. Bye.